0: This week on Dig Me Out...
1: This album is chock full of guitar tone, and it's swallowing everything else on the record uh, for better or for worse.
0: Tim and Jay review, Scared Straight by the New Bomb Turks. Hello
2: and welcome to another episode of Dig Me Out. I'm your host, Tim Minichi, and joining me, as always, my co-host, Mr. Jason Ziak. Jay, it's episode 204, the third-to-last episode of our fourth season, and it's another one of your suggestions.
1: Third-to-last.
2: Third-to-last. So it's not the penultimate, it's the... Pencil Ultimate. Yes, exactly.
1: It's less permanent.
2: Yes. Last week we had an episode that you suggested. Saigon Kick. And we're back with another one. I gave you free reign at the end of this year. You uh, pick what you wanted and you you brought another one that's uh, an interesting pick. It's the new bomb Turks. Straight out of Columbus, Ohio. The... uh, Current hometown for myself, former hometown for, for you, now residing in uh, Austin, Texas. Jay, tell me, why did you pick the new bomb, Turks, and their 1996 album, Scared Straight?
1: This is a band that I feel it like keeps coming up, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, right? I mean, it, uh, we just talked about them a little bit with uh, with the last episode with uh, Clay, right? Right,
2: yep. Couple and um, ago,
1: yeah. they came up on... Others in the past I want to say the Helicopters We probably talked About Definitely. this band mm, Gaunt We talked yep. about This band Yep So I'm sure If you go to the site And, and find the tag uh, The New Bomb Turks tag You'll find all the Episodes But it's just a band That keeps coming up And they were I think their prime Was probably a little Before we got to Columbus But we certainly mm-hmm. Saw them live A couple times And we certainly Heard a, you know, a lot of Stories about them And a lot about them When we got there Um, I was more familiar with, uh, I think it's 99 or 2000, maybe 2000 album. What is it called?
2: The Night Before the Day the Earth Stood Still. Is that one you're talking
1: about? No.
2: Are you talking about... Nightmare uh, Scenario. Nightmare Scenario,
1: there you go. Nightmare Scenario is the album I'm I'm most familiar with. I actually have that on orange vinyl. Ooh, pretty cool. But I wanted to go back to... uh, I felt like this is a band that we should spend some time with since they keep coming up, but also give me a chance to go back to, and, uh, their some of their early records and more mid nineties era and find something that, uh, was newer to me and run it through the ringer and see what we thought. Cool. Well, I'll
2: give you a little bit of my brief history on this band. I actually don't know much about them in terms of music. I, I know that Eric Davidson, uh, is both the lead singer of this band and he was a writer uh, he wrote a book that I've had in my queue to read uh, for quite some time. It's called um, "We Never Learn: The Gunk Punk Undergut, 1988 to 2001," and uh, it's on my 2015 must-read list. And he's also was a writer for uh, one of the local weekly magazines. So when we were arrived in Columbus back in the late '90s. Uh, They were an active band, but not quite as active in terms of, like you mentioned, their heyday in sort of the early to mid-90s. So um, I didn't really, other than a little, like probably one or two listens for Nightmare Scenario, I didn't really listen to the band that often. So this was a good opportunity to check them out. So now let's talk about the history of the New Bomb Turks. History
0: of the band.
2: So they formed at Ohio State University, excuse me, the Ohio State University in Columbus, Ohio, in 1990. The founding members are Jim Weber, Eric Davidson, Bill Rant, and Matt Reber, and uh, Sam Brown replaced Bill Rant on drums in 1999. Sam Brown also plays in the band um, The Divine Fits with... uh, One of the gentlemen from Spoon. And one of the gentlemen from the Handsome Furs,
1: I think is the band.
2: And they've put out a record or two. So the New Bomb Turks have released 10 full-length LPs, 2 EPs, and about 20 singles. Um, Their early recordings are on Data Panic, Sympathy for the Record Industry, Get Hip, and Bag of Hammers labels. Crypt Records signed the band and released Destroy Oh Boy. Information Highway, Revisited, and Pissing Out the Poison. Then they signed to Epitaph and released the album we're reviewing, Scared Straight, as well as At Rope's End and the aforementioned Nightmare Scenario. Gearhead Records released their album The Night Before the Day the Earth Stood Still. And then they've also released a couple of other um, B-sides and outtakes, outtake compilations The previously mentioned Pissing Out the Poison, Also, The Big Combo and Switchblade Tongues and Butterknife Brains. So, the band in the 2000s became less active. Guitarist Jim Weber is now a 10th and 11th grade English teacher at a nearby high school. Um, Eric Davidson is the lead singer in The Livids. And also, as I mentioned, wrote the book We Never Learn. And Sam Brown plays in that band with the guy from Spoon. So, that's it that's the history of the new bomb turks the very brief history if you would like to suggest an album for review uh you can't do so for 2014 but for the 2015 season feel free to head on over to our request review page at digmeoutpodcast.com we got some facebook feedback for this record sean michael foster said shit yeah and uh (laughs) andrew i'm sorry i'm gonna mess up Climola? is that how you pronounce it, Andrew? I'm p- apologize if I uh, screwed up your screwed up the pronunciation. He said, "I'm interested to hear why you chose Scared Straight." I remember interviewing Eric Davidson when the record came out and asking about the horns and other differences from the first two records, and he jokingly answered, "Well, this is the record we always wanted to make. Isn't that what everyone says?" I'm partial to IHR, which is Information Highway Revisited, twenty years old. But Hammerless Nail, Jukebox Lean, Rest Your Hands, man, those are some killer songs. Any New Bomb records, any New Bomb Turks records is deserving of much praise, so I can't wait to hear the show. So that was Andrew's take on this record. Um, And he mentioned a couple songs there that I definitely want to uh, bring up when we get to it. So Jay... Last week mm-hmm. you suggested Saigon Kick and I went first. Mm-hmm. This week I would like to open the floor to you.
1: Yes, Because you are sir. not
2: familiar with this record. I'd like to ask you mm-hmm. what worked for you on Scared Straight by the New Bomb Turks.
1: Guitars, guitars, guitars. Jeez, um, mm-hmm. this album is um, chock full of guitar tone and it's swallowing everything else on the record uh for better or for worse but that's really what it's all about um you know I, I guess this band falls into into punk um but they certainly have some classic rock leanings to them i think one of them is the what i'm assuming is a les paul big les paul guitar sound um mm-hmm. you know in in some classic rocky riffs uh what you know makes it punk is just the speed um i think in some cases like a song like hammerless nail it's just really thick guitar riff but it's you know pretty blues based and when you really in the in the when you really listen to it, it it almost sounds like a sped up rolling stone song
2: yeah good good comparison
1: So this is a band and a record I think where at a cursory listen it's you perceive it one way you kind of just perceive it by the, the burst of energy that it is, and it's easy to write off some of the other uh, details and layers that are here. Um, when you spend some more time with it though, you start to realize the like I like I said that there's a there's a deep understanding and appreciation of, of bands like the Rolling Stones at play, and they're you know, really speeding that up and, and and reinterpreting it with this whole new energy. That's pretty interesting. When you move through the record, you know, not only do you hear the bands that they liked, but I heard of a lot of other bands that they, I think, inspired. I, I think they're, I, I always heard of them uh, kind of in the way that Rock from the Crypt is mentioned um, in terms of sp- uh, really inspiring a whole, I think, new wave of, of bands that we saw in the later 90s mm-hmm. you know, I think the helicopters is a really good example of that you know i would say based on what i've seen and you know basically my observations of of that period you know the new bomb turks and Roger from the crypt were the two two bands that were responsible for a band like the helicopters and a band like the hives and a lot of the swedish and scandinavian garage inspired rock that that came out later in the 90s and even you know through the 2000s and even now I heard a lot of those influences on the record which were kind of cool to to, to reveal and understand um, seeing as I'm a big fan of a lot of those those bands that were inspired by this band so it is uh, you know it's it's full throttle for all 12 songs I guess maybe the last song it pulls back a little bit uh, so it's just you know boundless energy. Uh, most of the songs are under three minutes. A lot of it is, is blues based at the root of what they're doing. But, uh, you know, obviously sp- played it at a much higher speed. And, you know, I think Eric Davidson has a pretty unique voice kind of on the higher end mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, rapid fire lyrics it also has has the ability to turn a hook here and there. You know, there's not a ton of them. I wish there was more, but. There are some choruses on here that are, you know, they grab you and you remember them um, and you can sing along to them. So uh, it's definitely a unique sound um, across the board. Uh, We can kind of get into if it's always successful or not, but uh, you definitely can hear on a record like this, you know, the movement that they helped uh, start that I think is is actually kind of still going on. Honestly, I think they were, uh, a little bit ahead of their time I was appreciating that as I went through And uh, checked this record out For the first time
2: I, I agree with you in terms of When you mention a band like the Rolling Stones This is a band that knows Their musical history When you listen to a song like Professional Against Her That mm-hmm. has clear ties to like Chuck Berry mm-hmm. That that blues guitar riff Where you're you're playing the power chord But you're Throwing the extra, you throwing the pinky down to give you that blues riff. That's straight out of the Chuck Berry songbook. Mm-hmm. And they they do that a lot. I think that's what is so interesting about this band is that although it totally evokes, you know, 80s, 90s up tempo thrashing punk, he calls it gunk punk. It's, Completely steeped in '50s rock and roll, and in the same mm-hmm. way that the Stones were, you know, mining all of the all of the um, 1950s uh, soul and um, rhythm and blues for their early career, um, you could hear that lineage of combining those sorts of blues riffs from the original artists with this, you know, energy of 90s punk, um, which is a completely different style of punk from what was popular in the mainstream. I'm thinking of like mm. Green Day and Offspring and those sorts of bands. Rancid. This is this is a completely different energy to it. Um, it's a hundred miles an hour on pretty much every song. mentioned track 12 that's the song where it becomes the most obvious that this is a band that appreciates you know the stones in a different in different hands that could be a um a dandy warhol song Mm. with a slightly different uh guitar tone but it has that feel to it um of that appreciation of that like exile main street let it bleed era stones where they are sort of mining that like that blues riff that Keith Richards and and Mick Taylor uh, made so popular. You mentioned the the hooks. There are a lot of songs on here where they do have like very sneaky hooks. Um, jukebox Lean and and um, Jeers of a Clown. Like they're not the most. It, it you know this isn't a pop punk band in any shape or form. But there are some memorable lines here and there, and and, and Eric Davidson delivers them with a certain flair that you know. Harkens back to uh, Iggy at, uh, in some respects. Mm. The way he uses his voice. And then in some respects, like uh, David Johansson of the New York Dolls. Um, but really, the the thing that works best for me is just... It's a consistent record. You know, they, they know what their strength is, and they just pound you with 12 songs. Almost all of them are under three minutes. And... It just it's relentless and it's it's a fun relentless as opposed to a a slog. Which you know if this was a band that was playing four and five minute long songs, then yeah. this would be a this would be a, an unlistenable record by about yeah. track four or five. Because they get in in and out of these songs so fast, um, it kind of doesn't bother me. And I I this isn't what I'm gonna listen to when I wake up on Sunday morning, but yeah. it definitely serves its purpose in terms of. The right energy for the right time when you want it.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um, it's uh, you know, it's not something you would put on a repeat lesson. Um, you know, you kind of I think go through it one time or mm-hmm. hit the songs you like one time and then put it put it away for a while until you need it again. <laughs> um, it can become, I think, because the energy is so consistent and the format is so consistent. You know, it can be uh, you get to a little deaf to it after too much of it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Which makes sense. I think to get to some of the things that maybe I, I didn't like or thought could be better. One would be I don't want to. I don't know if the mix is the right word that I'm going for. It kind of goes back to my original comment about the guitars. You know, they eat the the rest of the band up. You know, you don't get a lot of bass guitar or any. Mm-hmm. You don't get a kick drum. Uh, you know, if I, I notice if I listen to. Um, I used opened uh, headphones, uh, grottos, and it's made it sound way better. Like you got a whole sense of low end that I didn't get through closed to headphones, or so it, it's definitely sensitive to like how you listen to it and the volume you listen to it to be able to get the full the, the full band. Otherwise, I think you get just get a lot of guitar. You basically get guitar and the vocal over top,
2: and you get the snare and the cymbals.
1: Yeah. yeah that 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 ride symbol becomes really important to the band um, yeah it's almost uh it's almost featured like it's uh, next to the vocal it's the thing you hear second I mean other than mm-hmm. the guitars are kind of eating up everything and then on top of the guitars you hear the lead vocal and then you hear this ride symbol um, doing accents at times I love the sound of this record and then other times I was wishing that it was uh just a little more balanced. In terms of, uh, you know, giving a little more space to the, to the to the bass and to the drums, so I could hear them a little better. Uh, well, like when Hammerless Nail comes in, I mean, you love the tone of the guitar and you, it pulls you in, and it's kind of unexpected, and um, it definitely has a weight to it. But I felt like when you get to song two, Badger's High, it starts to sound. I don't know if you get used to it or just the song itself doesn't lend itself to that tone but it starts to sound a little thinner um so i found just just in terms of the um sticking to the format depending on the song some of the songs sound thinner than other songs did and i wasn't sure if that was just from a playing standpoint because you know it's just the way a bass player and a drummer play they can make s- a song sound thicker just by like the timing and how they you know what i mean the feel that they have um or if it was an actual you know kind of a mixing production issue but there were times on the record where I was left wanting sonically. Um, so well, a little bit, bit of an up and down.
2: I think, for example, on Bachelor's High, from what I'm hearing, it sounds like he's playing um, higher up the neck, which is why yeah. I think it sounds a little bit thinner. Right. Um, it sounds like he's playing in the in the in the five to seven or nine fret range, um, and probably. Playing, I, I haven't tabbed the, the songs out and I haven't looked them up, but I'm guessing those are like E and D and C power chords that he's playing on the on the fifth and third strings, fifth or five five four three, yeah mm-hmm. five four and three strings. Whereas I think a lot of the other songs if you're hearing where it's heavier, he's playing. Uh, he's using the the sixth string. Well, I'm I'm looking. I'm thinking when I'm saying the number of the strings, I'm thinking in terms of like. From where I'm standing, holding a guitar, six is at the top, and then yeah. one is the is the high E, the thin okay. E, mm-hmm. um, and I think that that makes a huge difference in this band because those that when you play the, that thicker, you know, guitar string, it, it, it adds more bass frequency to the song, um, yeah. and I I definitely think that that's that affects it, and on Bachelor's High, that's a good example because that riff sounds um, similar to me to a like a like a helicopter's riff where they're playing on the, um, not that they're playing octave chords, but they're, when they're riffing around and in, uh, the closer to the 12th fret. That that makes a difference, whereas when you, and when you take that away, that it reduces that heaviness that uh, some of the other songs
1: have. So you brought up something that makes me uh, remember my second thought on that point with the helicopters. Um, they've always had two guitar players, mm-hmm. and I found myself wondering on this record, because they double-track all the guitars to make them sound big. Most of the time he's playing exactly – it's the same person, sounds like playing the same guitar –
2: Mm-hmm.
1: As close to the exactly the same way as possible. There's one song, oh, and Drop What You're Doing. It's the only song on here I heard where this, when he doubles the guitar, the second guitar on the left side in the verse, he mutes, kind of palm mutes a little bit. And then the the, the right guitar isn't palm muted, but they're, they're playing the same thing. He's just, I
2: know what you're a little saying. Bit different. Yeah.
1: And it's the one, it made me think, when I heard that, it triggered in my mind, you know, holy shit, this band should have two guitar players. You know, it would make it sound so much bigger in that, you know, if you, when you have two different people with two different guitar rigs, even if they're playing the same thing, they're going to kind of interpret it slightly differently, you Mm -hmm. know, and. In strum just a little bit differently, sometimes more on purpose than others. Rolling Stones kind of play with that idea quite a bit and do it quite a bit different. Uh, Guns N Roses did the same kind of thing. What that ends up doing is it creates, it makes it bigger. It creates all this space um, through a little, that syncopation that happens and that the difference there that happens and it kind of makes me, makes me wonder if this band should have had two guitar players or just stuck to the the trio format you know if you're going to have one guitar player then just go with you know one guitar track you know maybe right. over double e's or something like that but you know work it out on the record so that you can do it without having to double track all the guitars and um you know to kind of rework the the band a little bit to to be true to that sound so i don't know what did, did, what do you think about that idea in terms of is that uh does that appeal to you, or does that like kind of start to change what this band's about? If you did something like that, if you had another guitar player,
2: well, anytime you have a second guitar player, you know, you it opens up the sonic possibilities far beyond what obviously we can do with one guitar player. But it also makes it when you're, you know, in the studio, you can do more. Like you mentioned, the, um, drop what you're doing. Those two guitars are not quite doing the exact same thing, whereas you know, knowing that they're only a one-guitar player band live, he's got to pick which one of those is he going to palm mute it, or is he going to actually just play it open? Mm-hmm. So it's going to make a difference in in the feel of the song because that's that's a different sound between those two you know styles. Mm-hmm. Um, I already saw them. I think I saw them twice. So I saw them with you at the El Rosa in Columbus. They've opened for the Helicopters. There were a couple other bands on that bill, and it was a blur, I'll be honest. like I don't remember what they sounded like, and I'm mm-hmm. sure that they played some songs that might have been off of this record. They were, they were touring for Nightmare Scenario, I guess, at that point. And then I believe I saw them at Little Brothers, and I just remember the guitar being so loud that it didn't even matter. <laughs> if there had been two guitar players at, at the same volume is what he... You know when he was at, that it probably would have been unbearable because I'm not one of those people that wants to hear the loudest band ever. I actually want to hear the nuance and what's being played
1: well that's that's what I'm getting at is like and I'm thinking more I'm talking more benefit of the it would have benefit the record if you had two legitimately two different people playing you know the guitar parts. Right. but also let's take it live. I mean, part of the reason he might be playing so loud is just to compensate for the fact that there's not another guitar player. Mm-hmm. You know, so if you got another guitar player in the band, you might be more willing to pull back a little bit, you know, and, and give some space to the, and, and together create the fullness that you're 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 trying to go for. Um, I, you know, I I remember seeing him at least twice, maybe even three times. You know, it sounded good. I mean, the guitar sounded good, but yeah, you're right. It was just really loud, and um, you know, then the vocal is just trying to just shout to get up with it. So. I had um, I remember having a really to...
2: hard time figuring out what Eric Davidson was doing live. Like yeah. listening to the record it's like a whole other experience. I can make out the nuances in his vocals and yeah. His, yeah. where it just yeah. felt like he was barking at me when they yeah. were playing live. It was just like this rapid fire blah 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 blah. blah. And, yeah, and when I'm, I hear it on the, the record, record it's totally yeah. different.
1: You get you, you on the record you realize there's a whole there, there's lyrics and <laughs> There's there's melodies and there's you know there's a sophistication to it and details to it that you had no idea existed. Right. Alive, so, right. What do you think about the experiments that are going on here that were brought up in the comments as well? The uh, we've got a honky tonk piano,
2: which I think we've... works, and I think that's that's something that the helicopters incorporated. Yeah. As well.
1: When I heard that, I was like, holy shit! That's like, is this the song? Where the hell? helicopters kind of i don't know is this where they because they they kind of evolved to that sound that when they originally started mm-hmm. the helicopters didn't have the piano as much well it's on the, the first record
2: it's it's on gotta get some action now
1: yeah yeah but it i mean it becomes more of a focal point like right in the mid mid to later era but regardless it just when i heard this song is it professional against her yeah uh, I couldn't help but think, you know, was this was this one of the songs that, you know, gave them the idea for the sound of the, the helicopters? Because um, it definitely has a lot of the, uh, you know, the key pieces and parts. But they, they obviously evolved into something, I think, more polished and more right. layered with two guitars and more melodies and um, just, you know, more, I think, pop-oriented songwriting and different drumming. But couldn't help but think, you know, this could have been the inspiration for uh, for what that became.
2: Yeah, totally. I, I mean, when I heard that, I was like, "Yeah, I hear the helicopters immediately." I hear, I hear where they're, you know, they cited them as a, as an influence. They covered the New Bomb Turks on their covers album, so they are clearly a, a big influence on that band. Um, the horn stuff that appears, yeah. it's. You know the guitars are so loud that it's not overwhelming. Yeah, so it didn't necessarily bother me. Uh, it's just weird.
1: Is, it, yeah, it was it just kind of like weird.
2: It it is kind of out of place. Like you're just. It was an experiment, and I get that they decided they wanted to try something. But I would have liked more of the piano. I think that that like works better. Than they they commit they commit
1: to the piano right? right? Like I felt like on the song when they use the piano, they got like a really good honky tonk style piano player and they really committed to it as part of the song. Like the horns where they're used is it's a little lukewarm. Like they're not quite sure what to do with it. And it's so blended in with the guitar. It doesn't really stand out. It just kind of thickens the guitar up.
2: Yeah. If you're going to go with the the horns, then you got to go full blast like on rocks off. Or, you know, something like that from the Stones, you know, golden era, as opposed to sort of sneaking some horns on and saying we have horns on the record, but they're not really all that important to the song.
1: Yeah. Well, they they, they run the risk of sounding a lot like Wreck from the Crypt, too, if they go too full bore with the horns. True. Like, I even felt like um, Look Alive Jive from a song standpoint could have been a rock from the Crypt song. Uh, it doesn't have the horns in it, but just the, the riff and the
2: everything about it that sounds. like stomping and get dr- yeah. uh, drum beat. Yeah,
1: mm-hmm. yeah. Um, I, I don't know, maybe that was a consideration as well as they played around with that, you know, not wanting to step on that band's toes. And then there's an organ on it's on the last song, right? Rest your hands, I believe so. Which that song has a completely different approach. You got a distorted bass,
0: mm-hmm. I believe,
1: in your left ear, and you got the guitar in your right ear, and they're totally doing the Stones, um, you know, riffing where they're bouncing back and forth. And, then and there's some extra work.
2: percussion on that song.
1: Yeah, they bring the shaker in for the chorus, and so musically, it's it's pretty. It's it's more restrained. It's slower. It's got more of a groove. Uh, it's. Quieter, quote, you know, a little bit. Like he mm-hmm. doesn't have the full onslaught of guitar sound. It's an interesting, it's an interesting song and sound for them. Um, I think the problem for me is that vocally, it's just not quite there. Like it's not. Well, he doesn't have the attack. Yeah, it's so. not. Sh- it, yeah, it's not sharpened. It's not. It just sounds like uh, I don't know. He made up some. Had some lyrics and just started rambling lyrics over the top of it. Like it doesn't quite fit the right the rest of the song as much as I want. I was hoping for something a little bit more melodic um, on that tune, but uh, not quite there. But interesting to hear them try that sound. Not sure it needs to be six minutes. <laughs> no, that was weird.
2: So in going back and uh, checking out this record, Jay. Uh, so this came out in 1996 and we haven't done this in a while, so I thought it'd be fun to break this out.
1: Why don't you think
2: uh, this was more successful
1: on a commercial level? They're the classic band that um, musicians love and you know, general music listeners don't quite get. It's, a, it's like a layer removed from mass consumption. So when mm-hmm. I listen to this record, I hear, I hear what the hives did. You know, I I hear that they heard this band and thought, "Hmm, you know, if we sharpen this up and we make the drums more pronounced, um, and make it more about a beat and less about, you know, thin the guitars down, maybe clean them up a little bit, so it's more of a, you know, they went with a semi-dirty strat sound for the guitars, make it more about a big drum beat, but kind of keep the same attitude and same energy and the same general like delivery vocally." just slow it down a little bit, make it more rhythm oriented put in some hooks. I mean, you basically have the hives. Um, So I just think it's like a generation away um, from being, you know, a a mass consumer, mass consumable, you know, sound. Uh, The helicopter took it in a different direction, you know? So I think there's a lot of bands that heard this and interpreted it and polished it into something easier to digest for people. I
2: think that's a good analysis. Excellent work. I so mean, in live, it's it's it's
1: we are both witnesses. I mean, live, it's just brutal.
2: Yeah, if you're not gonna go jump in the mosh pit, it's it's not something you're gonna like. You know, hang back and just watch. Like,
1: but, and, and you need to have heard the songs before. You know what I mean? Right. Like, if I think it's hard to get go cold. We, yeah, yeah. Had we go see the band now after spending some time with this record and Nightmare Scenario and a couple others, we would certainly get it a lot better than you do when you walk in cold and you've never heard the band. Right. It just doesn't work. It doesn't make quite as much sense.
2: So as far as a rating goes, Jay, would you be at a worthy album, a better EP, or a decent
1: single? I'm at a worthy album. You know, I think there's there's five or six songs that I really like, um, and there's five that I think are Okay. The only reason I, I leave it as a record is because, you know, the songs are short. You can get through it quick. You know, I think you alluded to it. It's the kind of record where, you know, maybe you need a shot at 2 o'clock. You know, you yeah. pop this in. Uh, it's what, maybe 45 minutes or something. You, you know, you run through the whole thing. And at the end of it, you, you feel like you drank three cups of coffee, you know, and you're ready. It kind of It's like a palate cleanser, too, you know. Um,
2: 37 minutes,
1: Jay. Yeah, there you go. So I think in that regard, it, it holds together as a record, and, and you know serves well as a record, um, even though there's you know some songs that are stronger than others.
2: I concur with you on that 100. percent I think this is it's a, you got to have the right time for it, but you can listen to this all the way through easily. Uh, it's got great energy, and there are some some. Buried amongst the, you know, overly loud guitars and uh, ride cymbal, there are some catchy hooks in there that you can dig out. So I think it's a worthy record as well. So an excellent uh, choice, Jay. We've tackled quite a bit of uh, Columbus, Ohio, for our uh, probably after Australia. Columbus, <laughs> Ohio has gotten the most uh, pub from our podcast, strangely enough.
1: So. I don't feel like we're uh, we're doing it on purpose. It's just kind of happening, like because we.
2: No, this one is a completely. This isn't like us going hometown for the yeah. heck of it. This is a completely legitimate, you know, pick based on especially on the recent episode with with Clay Tarver from Chavez mentioning, uh, you know, talking about New Bomb Turks and whatnot. So, uh, this was this was one that was on the list for a while. We just hadn't gotten around to it. So glad we finally did. Uh, More familiar now And next time uh, The Turks play Europe But I haven't seen them play Columbus in a while So uh, maybe next time they uh, they Play Columbus I'll go out and check out the show I'll actually recognize some of the tunes this time
1: Yeah they are much more successful In Europe I've known that for a while uh, I think for the most part They've given up touring here Like a lot of bands have And have found another crew touring Touring Europe Like Hasselhoff just exactly like that.
2: Yeah. So if you like what you heard, folks, please consider leaving us some positive feedback over at iTunes. Of course, feel free to head on over to digmeoutpodcast.com and hit up our request review page for 2015 requests. I want to say thanks to uh, Jay for bringing this to the show. I enjoyed it very much. And we have two more episodes left for the season both of them are requested reviews so jay and i will be uh, tackling some unfamiliar territory with the last two episodes so look out for that uh for jay i'm tim we'll be back next week with another episode of dig me out